consumers want fresher foods. They want to know where their foods are coming from. They want to know if what they think they're ordering is actually what they're getting. Food tracking using blockchain, for example, we're going to be able to ensure that the food is fresh and it is what consumers are expecting. Technological advancements right now in the food supply chain that I think are really going to help restaurants connect deeply with what consumers are trending for, right? Hi there, food enthusiasts. Thanks for tuning in to Future Foodcast, where thought leaders in today's food industry discuss the trends and technologies that will shape the future of food. Today, we're speaking with Mark Irwin from Eat Digital. So, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm well, Jim. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks so much for, for uh, this conversation. Yeah, and we appreciate that, Mark. It's great to have you on the show. Would you mind sharing with our guests what you do at Eat Digital a little bit um, more than just your job title? Maybe give us a context for what the company is and what you're trying to accomplish there. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to. So um, I at, at Eat Digital, I am the chief marketing officer. And, and really, at any startup, you kind of wear a lot of hats. Um, but specifically at Eat, we, we're building a two-sided mobile um, and web-based application that we're in, hoping to empower restaurant diners to have the ability to browse menus, order food, and pay directly all from their phone. And so what this does is we're, we're trying to enable restaurateurs to reduce um, physical touch points and drive more meaningful interactions from, you know, devices we all have in our pocket already, which is the kind of the cool part. For me, my role is to right now in, in a, any um, kind of upstart, uh, as a marketer is to ensure that we are connecting with our consumer uh, in the way that they would expect to be connected with. Um, and I think that that sometimes is, uh, you know, it's a daunting task, but in my opinion, it's, it's the most worthy to ensure that we're building something for a consumer basis that wants this. Um, that means the world to me. And so I put a lot of effort in ensuring that um, consumers like you, hopefully will get a product that you will enjoy and that you can feel proud of. Yeah, that's actually, I would agree with that, Mark. I think it's personally a very big deal. As somebody who uh, orders uh, off the phone quite a bit, um, there is a wide range of, I'll call it consumer experiences uh, on that. And a lot of them are, um, I'll call it a tremendous room for improvement and only a few really, I'll call it hit the mark in terms of efficiency on being able to, in a sense, connect in a few clicks, find out what you want, click a couple of times more and be done with it. Uh, so there, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for what your company's uh, trying to deliver uh, in the food industry for sure. Well, I appreciate that vote of confidence, Jim, and maybe you'll be one of the first people to download the app uh, and, and use it at your local restaurants. Yeah, no, I absolutely will. In fact, yeah, where I am, there's plenty of places I can use that. So I'll certainly take a look at uh, trying the app out. I appreciate that very much. Uh, let me ask you a couple of questions more around the food industry, if that's okay, now that we understand, in a sense, uh, that you're providing a mobile solution for uh, food service outlets uh, and consumers. Um, overall, if you look at uh, trends in the food industry, what is of most interest to you? And maybe a little bit of your thoughts on why that's important. Yeah, this is really, this kind of hits home for me. And part of my marketing efforts um, with E are around creating thought leadership content. Um, for us, it's, it's, you know, restaurants are being propositioned by tech companies all the time. Um, and so by creating content, uh, I believe, and, and, and building thought leadership, I believe that, you know, 
we're going to look like professionals, right? And that we have the authority to talk about some of this stuff. And actually, just recently, I co-authored an article that we published around vertical farming and how that will allow um, more urban-based restaurants to access uh, fresher foods. And similarly, actually, we're about to publish an article on the merits of blockchain for restaurant food tracking. And so if I take these two kind of, I mean, you know, on the horizon technological advances, and I think about the bigger trend, the bigger trend that I see here is around supply chain technology specifically. And as it, and again, you know, and I'll come back to this over and over again, as it relates to the consumer sentiment, right? Consumers want fresher foods. They want to know where their foods are coming from. They want to know if what they think they're ordering is actually what they're getting. And restaurants have always had large tech stacks, but they haven't been able to help restaurants in this way and kind of proving, you know, without bringing out, uh, you know, a computer or, a, or an order list of where you got the food, you can't necessarily prove where that food has been. But with food tracking, using blockchain, for example, um, we're going to be able to ensure that the food is fresh and it is what consumers are expecting. Uh, a chef is going to be able to walk downtown Chicago a couple blocks to a vertical farm and pick produce. Um, and that will also ensure freshness for the consumer. And so there's this, there's these technological advancements right now in the food supply chain that I think are really going to help restaurants connect deeply with what consumers are trending for, right? Um, those cleaner uh, ingredient statements on food products, those uh, smaller uh, ingredient statements for foods, um, fresher uh, produce. I think all of that is really going to connect well with consumers. Um, and I think that's the coolest thing I'm seeing right now in the restaurant well, in food industry in general, just, you know, the, the, the ability to track. Yeah. Your concept, one of the concepts you just brought up was the vertical farming thing, which really um, makes sense in a lot of ways. I can see how that's even the pandemic has helped shift things quite a bit with about supply chain disruptions that say, hey, you know what, local sourcing is a better way to go. And in a sense, an expansion of vertical farming certainly would support that. Yeah, agreed. I, I think it'd be very cool to, to, you know, go to your, maybe, maybe in the future, there's a restaurant where they have a small vertical farm, you know, in their little lobby area, and you go in, you pick your produce, for example, and, and that gets cooked directly into your food, you know, and, and what a concept, right? Farm to table was. Can you imagine the concept of farm at your table? Um, yeah, and I think that's just such a cool horizon for where restaurants could go. Yeah, it's a, you're right. That's a tremendous opportunity because the closer consumers are to the source of the food, in a sense, the more comfortable they are um, to its authenticity and so on. And then the other point you brought up is really about tracking through the supply chain since everything can't be grown right in the restaurant things do have to get sourced from other locations and the ability for technology to show you where the sources of your food and even the ingredients are coming from uh, certainly would build confidence, I think, at the consumer level. Yeah, I think especially for those who, you know, buy food at the restaurant or even at a, <clears throat> at a grocery store, for example, being able to certify if the product is organic or if it has fair trade origins um, if there was food tampering, you know, you'd be able to deter that, maybe any fraud or false advertising. I think that transparency is, is super important, and the, and the use of blockchain to do so is just very interesting. And, and you know, I, I won't say any names, but there's a large global quick service sandwich restaurant that sells, um, you know, 
only sandwiches and they're a little bit of hot water right now, right? Due to the content of their tuna and their tuna fish sandwich. Yeah. Um, and they've, they've created some great marketing around their product in light of this backlash, but it, it, it doesn't seem like they're done their PR nightmare at this time. And, and imagine now if they had utilized blockchain in their supply chain, um, they'd be able to show the facts and data about their tuna fish to the public faster. Um, and they wouldn't have necessarily had to create that marketing campaign. And so I think there's, it's just a fascinating topic in food right now. And, and I think consumers are looking more to understand exactly where their food is coming from. And I think, you know, Jim, you said it the best, it's the authenticity of that food. And I think that blockchain is going to help us get there. Yeah. And, and then the other challenge, I think, in the pandemic, the other thing we've seen with supply chain disruptions and delays and so on, is the fact that you now have to uh, figure out ways to expand your sourcing options as well. Yeah, that's, that's entirely right. And um, I think the, the more your sourcing options grow, the more, uh, you know, things can fall through the cracks. And I think that, yeah, I think this is just, it's just, it's just so interesting where the food industry is going to go in the, in the near future. I, I really believe that, you know, maybe not every mom and pop restaurant is going to be utilizing blockchain, but, but I think it's, it's the, you know, it's the onus of the distributors of the manufacturers to kind of share that information. And, and I think that they're going to want to. Um, I think each, you know, each distributor and, and each manufacturer is going to want to share, yep, our food is top notch. It's, it's, you know, some of the healthiest, freshest produce or whatever it happens to be. Um, and you know, you're going to know exactly where it's coming from. I think if you've grocery shopped recently, I, there's an egg uh, brand. And again, I won't, I won't say names, but there's a, yeah. there's an egg brand where you can literally scan a QR code on their package and see where those eggs, which farm they came from. That's coming into the consumer's hand and their fridges everywhere. They're going to expect that in more places. Uh, and it's just a really interesting how restaurants are going to adopt it. Yeah, it's interesting. I used to work for a, a food chain that did direct sourcing from farms, but it was before the internet. And believe me, they were making phone calls every day to farmers to say, what kind of eggs do you got today that I can buy or cheese or whatever it was. And it was phenomenally expensive. Uh, and the information was hard to keep current. And you're right, with the kind of technologies you're talking about, um, those challenges will be a small issue going forward for sure. Agreed. Yeah, so um, any, uh, from your perspective, if you looking across, uh, two things I'll say. One point I wanna go back to, you mentioned um, about the fact that we're able to source information uh, better uh, from a, a restaurant and from a consumer standpoint. The cool part of that, it's much, much like me using the internet. I use it, but I certainly don't have to build it. Um, somebody else is maintaining that for me. And I think the restaurant, in my case, if I've got a right about your solution, is that the restaurants are actually going to be able to get a lot of that information to the consumers in the restaurant through your solution. Is that correct? Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, with, with our solution, it's, it's, um, it's going to be a lot easier for consumers to kind of manage their own restaurant experience. And I think that's, that's something that doesn't really exist right now where, um, you know, you might use uh, a company to reserve a table and then you get there and then you're using another company. Well, you don't really know it, but the server is using another company to key in your order um, to go directly to the kitchen. And then, you know, you're going to use a, a completely different company now to swipe your credit card, for example. And I think, you know, that was just a very high level example. But what our solution is going to do is hopefully reduce that tech stack for the restaurant mm -hmm. Uh, you can do it all in one place where you can or join a wait list, um, put, to, put your order in through a menu directly to the kitchen, 
order drinks, you know, browse that menu without um, having to go get a menu from a server and then pay without necessarily having to interact with anyone, you know, just pay directly from your phone. And I think that solution will help kind of, you know, the, the diners manage their own um, journey in the restaurant. They'll be able to enjoy the atmosphere a little bit more, uh, the camaraderie of the people they're with, including the server. Um, and I think we're, you know, when we're talking about the tracking of, of food, I, I, I fully believe that, you know, food distributors uh, and food manufacturers are going to want to share this information. They're going to want to do little op-eds and videos on their LinkedIn's about where their tomatoes come from and, and things like that. So um, we, we fully expect that restaurants will have that data to, to share with consumers. Um, and and I, full, I fully expect it to come from distributors and manufacturers specifically. Yeah, I like the vision that you laid out that your company is going to provide what I call the integrated tech stack, because I have worked uh, with a couple of restaurants locally and talked to them. And you're correct that they're running multiple systems for each of these special needs, so to speak, and they don't have one integrated um, platform to pull all these pieces together, including the uh, operations piece. So it's nice that in a sense, at some point, your system is going to pull that all together and make it easier, not just for us as a consumer, but also for the operations of the restaurant as well. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know about you and, and kind of what you, your, your personal life looks like, but here in my home in, in Chicago, um, I have a smart home and um, you know, everything from the lights to the speakers, to the, the, the thermostat and, and the vents, all of that is, is a ne not necessarily the same company and they're not even all brought together by the same company. So if you look at my phone, for example, I've got, you know, 20 apps on my phone that are all trying to help me manage my, my smart devices. And I think if you, if you took that analogy and you looked at a restaurant, it's the exact same way, except each of those apps, or in this case, companies, they're taking a percentage of sales, right? Every time you add a new company or brand to your restaurant tech stack, what are they taking? A percent, two, three, four of, of all your sales? or every time you swipe a credit card or whatever it happens to be. And so I think that for us, you know, I, I'm on a mission to ensure that consumers have a, a way to connect and, and drive their experience um, at a restaurant. But in reality, I mean, for the restaurateur, we're hoping to help them save a little bit of money. It's a, it's a very margin tight industry. Um, and, and there are a lot of providers who are taking, you know, percentages from the top. Um, and so we're hoping to give restaurateurs those percentages back to the bottom line. Yeah, actually, that's a huge deal because you are right. Uh, talking to the local restaurants around here, whether, it doesn't matter whether it's a national chain or just a local business. The truth is they're all margin um, challenged, if you will, because of the uh, pressures to be competitive in these local markets. Very highly competitive. You don't find too many places where in a sense, there isn't competition for restaurants, you know, is it some rural location maybe, but certainly in urban areas, suburban areas as well, um, it's very, very competitive. So anything that they get back as a break from using an integrated platform would be a big win for them for sure. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, so that's a win. Um, so then uh, we've talked about, um, in a sense, the how the platform works a little bit. We've also hit um, a little bit about, um, I'll call it the, the challenges in the supply chain, if you will. And you mentioned correctly the uh, potential benefits of having end-to-end -end traceability on the sourcing, which um, like I say, people, I'll call it companies do it now, I'll say, but it's not integrated across the supply chain. So as an example, I know, um, I know of one, I'll call it uh, 
I'll call it produce and juice supplier, if you will, they run their systems and they do have tracking internally on the stuff. They can say, here's the ingredients that went into that batch and so on, but it doesn't, that information doesn't get uh, out through the supply chain at all. So there really isn't traceability over the supply chain typically, unless you make special efforts like that old retail environment I worked in where they're directly calling farms and so on. So it is a challenge to do that. Um, I think, and you brought it up earlier, the pandemic has uh, actually give me a little bit more on your end about the pandemic and maybe how that's changing consumer preferences. Yeah, I think, you know, consumers, um, I, I think this is going to be, you know, one of the biggest problems maybe or, or hurdles for, for Eat Digital and, and maybe others who are thinking of joining this space with us um, is that there, there's a change management issue here, right? In smart dining, which is what I'm calling, um, you know, what Eat Digital is doing and partly because I have a smart home. So, I, you know, it's, it's, it, it just fit for me, right? But mm -hmm. in smart dining, Consumers are already using QR codes right now to review menus and, and um, they're getting used to kind of that behavior when I don't really believe QR codes had um, this big of a heyday pre-pandemic. And so I think, I think consumers are interested in it, but there's a change management issue now with, with servers getting used to this behavior, right? If you think about the, how servers are running around restaurants there, they go to a table and they in, you know introduce themselves and grab a, an initial drink order and they go to the POS system and, and type it in. And then they go to another table and say, how was your food? And then they go back to the POS system to order dessert. And then they go to their, you know, to their last table and they collect the bill that they left uh, and they you know, put that back into their POS system. And, and what you've just heard from me um, is that they're going back and forth between a, a, a bolted in hardware device basically, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can now enable the server to have conversations with their tables and not necessarily just be running back and forth, um, maybe give them the opportunity to actually up and cross sell in, in effective ways because the consumer is the one looking at the menu on the QR code in the app um, and, they're, and they're ordering directly from their phone and they're paying directly from their phone, that that, that will you know, allow servers to do a little bit more um, maybe more that they'd like to do and, and maybe increase their, their ticket sales so that their tips will increase too. And I think that that change management is where we are, you know, going to see some of the biggest changes uh, and, and, and hurdles, but I don't think it's uh, insurmountable by any means. I think it's just something that, you know, will take a little bit of time as we go to market. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. So I'll say as your platform, I'll call it, continues to evolve and grow, in a sense, the content that you're able to deliver through that platform will increase, which would change, as you say, the server's role in a sense, and potentially free up a little more what I call customer face time, which is really valuable for them since tips are important in the industry. And if you're not spending enough time with the customers, that can hurt your income actually as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I focused on, you know, the server and the consumer in that example, but there's, there's something for the restaurateur here too, right? And that you know, so many people right now are, are talking about, you know, the current labor shortage specifically for, for restaurant staff. And um, I won't get into, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about what the causes of that may or may not be. And I won't ask you what you think of them either, because I, I know that they can get kind of political. But what we do know is that servers have a high frequency of close physical interaction with many, many customers while on the job. 
And I think that, you know, when we're an eight, when we're able to give the restaurant tour an, the ability to maximize um, the server's time with what labor they do have, be it one, two, 10 servers, you know, while decreasing maybe unnecessary exposure that the servers have to others, I think there's almost like a triple win here, right? The consumer gets to drive their own experience at the restaurant. The server gets to have meaningful interactions, like you're saying. And then the restaurateur, you know, it doesn't pull out the rest of their hair trying to find more labor for their understaffed restaurant. And so I think, you know, for us, what we're trying to build is a human centric solution for a post pandemic world. And, um, you know, we, we have that we have the human in the, in the middle of, of everything we're doing here. Yeah, and, and you win on both ends actually. So the restaurants of course were severely challenged having to shut down for long periods in the pandemic by state obviously um, and locale. But um, even as they're opening up and, and I'll call it the demand and the crowds are coming back, the reality was most of them were considered, the majority of them I say, were probably considered um, critical businesses during the pandemic. So they had to rapidly build a takeout business or expand it if, if they didn't, uh, if they already had a takeout business. So there, they, uh, it looks like in two areas would be able to benefit as the, uh, in a sense, uh, in-house um, eating returns uh, on premise. And at the same time, uh, making the uh, takeout business a lot more efficient as well. Yeah, so absolutely. Both areas, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if, if you've recently gone out to a restaurant to eat in and but but I I had recently to I went to my favorite bar and you know we were during the pandemic we were trying to support them as much as possible as well um you know to ensure that they made it through the pandemic and, and thankfully they did for my sake uh, as it is my favorite bar um but but it, you know when we got there uh, for our first uh, sit down meal in the space you know post pandemic I could tell that there were you know a ton of open tables but they weren't seating anyone at those tables and mostly because there wasn't enough wait staff to go around. So I was going to have a crappy experience there no matter what. Right. And so I ended up waiting an hour or two hours for a table. And I did that lovingly because again, I I really love this space, but I can't imagine what the normal consumer is thinking when they're like, I can see open tables and I've waited for an hour and a half, sit me at one of those tables and let's get the meal rolling. Like that's not really how it works. And, and so I think that, yeah, there's a, there's a way to kind of, you know, maximize the labor you have, uh, but ensure that that labor is safe. And, and I think that that's what we're trying to, you know, we're trying to strive for. That. Yeah. The other thing I think, I don't know, I'll say most consumers, I believe have, when they show up at a restaurant, the majority of consumers today do have their electronic devices, their phones, whatever. And uh, whether they're using Wi-Fi or, or cellular service, either way, they're, they have, in a sense, tools. One of the interesting things is, yeah, I can go out and check ESPN, look at sports scores or something like that. But at the same time, I think that what I call that airtime where I've ordered something and I'm waiting whether it's two minutes or five minutes or you know whatever uh, to get my meal, um, that's probably open time in a sense that the restaurants in effect could use your platform to, in a sense, push more about what they do, their history, whatever it is, interesting facts, all kinds of stuff to get more engagement. I assume that would be an opportunity as well. Absolutely. And we, we, we plan on doing exactly things like that, where we're getting to, we're getting the restaurant to kind of share how they got to be, right? And I think that there's, there's so many interesting stories in, in every neighborhood, uh, in every city. And I think sometimes we, we take those for granted, or we just don't know them at all. 
Um, and so, I, yeah, this, that's a, it's a really good point, Jim, and on something we're trying to build. Yeah. And, and so it was really, and you, your example about um, your favorite bar, um, we all, in my case, the list goes on forever. Favorite ice cream shop, favorite bakery, <laughs> place. So I won't go into my list, but it's a long list. Um, and the truth of it is, you're right. You want to figure out ways to help them, in a sense, make their brand more solid. So they have more marks attending the bar and they have more gyms going to the ice cream shop kind of thing, who are really committed to that. And that does make a difference because that's where they see high volume to repeat traffic. So whatever you can do to support that is going to be strong for them, obviously. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, we're really excited to kind of help the restaurateur in this post-pandemic world. And um, you know, hopefully it's, it's like I mentioned in the upfront, that it's a solution that they want, um, because that would be the, that wouldn't be great if we built a solution and no one wanted it. But I, I think, you know, with the, with the excitement that we're seeing right now for people trying to sign up for our, um, you know, open beta, um, I, I think, I think people are, are interested. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm glad. So you're in an open beta now. Um, what are the next steps in terms of the rollout for you? Yeah, we're, we're, we're building the product right now and we, we're getting restaurants to, you know, kind of sign up and um, for, for a beta later this year. Um, we just did a, um, a an, an alpha, if you will, uh, months ago to kind of get us rolling. But yeah, the product is, it will be live to, uh, to people this, this year. I actually have a, uh, an, an app on my phone already that's uh, more of a test app. Um, so I'm going through it and kind of finding different things here and there that we can fix before we, we really launch it um, and go live. But we're excited for later this year to, you know, for our go live. And there are some restaurants who have signed up to say, hey, we want in on this right away. Um, and we want to help you kind of build this, this app and this future from the ground up. So those folks are, are signing up for, for, you know, the kind of that, that beta. Yeah. So that, that sounds like, well, so uh, let's put it this way. I'll say, number one, I'll say you do have a website and it does help the restaurant understand and the consumer understand what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, if a restaurant wants to reach out and contact you, how do they do that? If they want to get involved in the beta program or follow on or whatever, is there a process for that? Yeah, Jim, thanks for, for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I'd say that any restaurant, pretty much anywhere, can reach out to, to me directly if you'd like. Uh, you know, I, I'm happy to share my information, but but also on the website there at uh, eatdigital.com, um, we have a, a way at the bottom to kind of stay in touch and sign up. So um, feel free to contact us through any of our social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, or, or send us an email at hello at eatdigital.com. We'd be happy to chat with anyone and take feedback. We want to sign up to, to help us build this, the, the future of smart dining um, or, or anything in between. I think that everything is on the table um, for those who want to help the restaurants make it uh, past the pandemic. Great. Um, thanks. Uh, I'll go ahead. I want to shift topics a little bit to maybe some other areas as well. So uh, from a, I'll call it a consumer perspective, there's more and more um, push toward what I call social responsibility and uh, um, within, I'll call it the food supply chain overall. So simple things like um, in the past, we've always had a need for better, what I, and you mentioned it earlier, better uh, traceability of food, you know, from, in a sense, the point of consumption all the way back to the uh, origins, if you will. Um, so that, that need has always existed, and you can see where there were gaps um, in the past on that. 
from your perspective, uh, uh, any other, uh, I'll call it key points around uh, transparency in the supply chain that matter, do you think, to consumers at this point? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great um, question, and, and thanks for it, Jim. I think you know what you're seeing from a, a few companies already, right? And and I think you know you you could everyone could look this up, but being able to trace the growing origins of of a of a coffee to the Rainforest Alliance ensures that everyone along that um, supply chain is getting their fair share, and no one's being you know taken advantage of, for example, right? And I think that. Um, it's so easy to do that by scanning the QR code on packaging, kind of like I mentioned with the eggs, even in my fridge um, right now, where you can kind of um, trace the growing origins or, you know, other companies um, utilizing some of this traceability are, are looking to deter fraud, um, you know, ensure that this, the right um, product is moving through the right part of the supply chain. Um, and then if it's not, then it's not sold into shops, right? It's it's kind of stopped uh, before that happens. And so it sounds weird to talk about fraud in the food industry. Right? And, and I don't think that people really understand that that's a, it's a reality. Um, but I think that when we talk about transparency in the supply chain, it's that's exactly that, right? We're looking for the right product at the right time. Um, we're looking for where that product came from. And I think consumers and customers alike are all looking for those, those pieces of information and those data points. Um, and I, and I believe that they they're going to get just that when we when we enable blockchain in a bigger way. It's it's not just for cryptocurrency, right? Um, it's it's really something we can use to track. And I think the the coolest part about it for me is that um, you know sometimes data exists on you know one server or one person's computer, and it can be easily manipulated that way. But with blockchain it's an open source. And so it exists on everyone's computer in a way. And so you're very easily able to deter some, you know, inappropriate changes in the data, which means that you're able to, to know what exactly it is that you're getting and where it's come from. Um, and I think, again, that that is a huge consumer trend right now and an incredibly important part of where the food industry is going to go in the very near future. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, Technically, we all hear these stories in the news about uh, cybersecurity threats and uh, ransomware and all kinds of things. And anything that adds what I call the ability to protect and ensure the accuracy of data, especially across a network, is a critical technology. So blockchain may be at the top of that, but there's other ones as well. But the key to it is that you're guaranteeing, in a sense, the accuracy of the data uh, from its source to its consumption, which is a big deal. And, and your point about the QR codes, uh, and maybe I'll push this a little bit more. There are some products that are um, don't go through what I call a lot of transformation in the supply chain. So the example is, um, you know, a coffee is a good one where I take coffee beans and basically they get harvested, they get packaged and so on, and then go through wholesale distribution and eventually show up at a retailer or a restaurant where I'm getting served coffee, right? And to your point, um, getting a QR code on my coffee cup that says, okay, scan this in your phone and boom, it pops up. And I can see the farmer where those beans came from is one type of challenge. When I take a product that's uh, called goes through a larger manufacturing process, it becomes a lot more challenging for us today to try to do that traceability. So we've had certainly traceability of what I call 
produce and other things, coffee and so on, that have minimal, um, what I call transformation during their journey. But the other ones are larger and I think those will take longer. But um, anyway, any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, I, I think, and and I think, like I said, it, this is this is coming fast to everyone. Very, and, and, and I don't think they recognize it, right? I, I didn't even, I'm literally about to publish this article on blockchain in the next week or so. And in my fridge, I had something very similar to it. And it's that QR code, right? And um, like I said, QR code is having its heyday right now. I don't know if it's been this big since um, ever, but, but certainly not pre-pandemic, in my opinion. It's everywhere we go. And I think people are getting so used to um, how to use it. It's just one piece of the technology to make it more accessible to consumers. Um, and I think that you know, I, as a normal consumer, I'm not going to go into the back room of a, rest, of, a, of a grocery store or a restaurant and ask, you know, where'd you order this food and, and, and things like that. I'm sure I could ask someone and they would tell me, but now I don't need to, right? The, the, what technology is doing is just essentially making it so much easier for me to access data that I would never have had the opportunity to read or see before. And I think when, when I know what my food is and where it's come from, I'm able to make better decisions for me and my body, right? And I think that you know, everyone's looking for healthy and, and what healthy will look like is different for everyone, right? What's healthy for you, Jim, versus what's healthy for me might not be the same. Um, and I think that now I'm able to make more dialed in uh, decisions on, on my personal health and my personal benefit versus yours. And, and I think that um, no longer are we just going to cookie cutter and, uh, you know, diets and plans like that, right? Everything will be very personalized and it can be because now we can see where everything has come from um, and, and exactly, you know, what, what that food is. So I think this is just such a really interesting time now for food to, to kind of be more of a transparent um, industry. I don't know if it's ever been as transparent as, it is, as it's going to be. And I know it's not as transparent as some other industries, uh, not food related. So this is just such an interesting time for food to be more, you know, to have that data be more available and accessible to everyone. Well, uh, around that, that, I'll call it connectivity issue, as you said, going back to the QR code, now that I can say, okay, look, I know where this coffee came from. I know exactly the farm it came from. Excellent. Um, at that point, what's interesting with the QR code, you could actually start like with your egg example as well you can start opening up and saying, hey, you know what? Um, with the concept of ethical sourcing and, and trying to, in a sense, have contact with the source of my food, uh, if it's not vertically grown in my living room kind of thing, I can say, hey, it's maybe a farm wherever in Colombia, or it's a, you know, a tea plantation somewhere else or egg farm in New Hampshire, wherever it is. Um, with using that information, you can actually, in a sense, potentially, if you want, create what I call social contacts for uh, between, I'll call it the source and the farm, where you can actually, you know, whatever tip or rate the farm directly and say, hey, these are great eggs, something like that. There's a whole set of, I think, applications that tie potentially around ethical sourcing and contact with, um, I'll call it the other participants in the food chain, so that you can make that contact and say, hey, you know what? I go to this restaurant, why? Because I get these awesome eggs, you know, in my omelet and they come from, you know, whatever uh, Jasper's farm up in New Hampshire or something like that. Um, so, you know, that is an opportunity to, I think, add more applications, if you will, over the pipeline, if you will, that you have opened up the door for. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I think even, you know, as I think about it now, like what are the uses what are the uses beyond the ones I've talked about? It's, it's hard to know what people are actually going to use this for. And I think that that's 
that's a really exciting thing too, is that the technology is so expansive that um, there's so much you can do. And, and I think that that's, that's really fun. Let me, let me flip a thing around and ask you. We, um, <laughs> this is an easy one. So I'm a million years old. I tell my grandkids and I have a son who's I think 26 now. And uh, he, he's, I'll call it from a different generation than I am. So when I grew up, we were just glad to see food. We didn't ask questions about food. We just ate food. If you gave us food, right. we ate it and consumed it. On his end, he is that other generation. And um, he's the one who has taught himself how to be a French chef and does, he's, he knows all kinds of cuisines from all over the world. He is the other end of the spectrum from me. So if there's a million people, I'm on one end and he's on the other. He's, he's like a, a five-star chef as a foodie, if you will in terms of his ingredients and everything. And, and he's probably, I'm guessing there's a difference from your point of view and how you reach different segments of the market um, to sort of tell the story and get to understand what this possibility is. In his case, I think he'll jump all over it. You know, he'll probably open up the app and go, all right, I'm done, great, this is everything I need. But I think there's a challenge, I would guess, of trying to educate different segments of the market. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I, I think that's that's it, right? Like I think, between you and I, that, that that's more where we were, right? Like the, there was food on the table and I wasn't really concerned about where it was, but I think that for those, you know, Michelin starred chefs, they're really, really, really going to want to know, is this the freshest place in the continental U.S. where I could have gotten XYZ product? And I think they're going to find out very quickly that they, you know, with this tech technology. Um, and I think that they're going to change menus because of it, right? They, they might say, oh man, I've been ordering this for the last 10 years and I didn't recognize that it maybe wasn't the freshest product. I thought it was good, but it wasn't good enough. And they might change menus because of that. And I think that that's, I mean, there are so many things that are coming down because of it um, and, and they might change it for the better. Right. And I think that that's, that's just such a, you know, what, what the possibilities are, are in, in a lot of ways are endless. And, and so in my son's case, I'll say, if he goes to whatever his favorite restaurant and they do have something on the menu and he starts uh, in a sense, using that connection back to the farm and saying, oh, this is awesome. You know, these eggs are fantastic in this omelet, whatever the example is. Uh, in a sense, if, if that review opens up, you're right. Then in a sense, the chefs at the restaurants have the ability to look at that and say, oh, look, here's a higher rated farm from New Hampshire than the one I was using. I should try them out and see if there's a difference here um, for what it's worth. It's yeah, I think, I think a lot of um, suppliers are going to see their... Um, demand grow in way and places that they weren't expecting. And I think you're right that if you if if you've got chefs who are saying, hey, I used to buy my eggs at XYZ farm, but now I can buy it at ABC farm, um, you know, that that new farm might not know that they're getting orders from all over the place. And um, I think it's just a really, you know, it's 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 such a cool way to, you know, the better you make your product, uh, the more demand is uh accessible to you now. And I think that that's such a, you know, a, a difference in how the industry works currently. Yeah, and so that whole concept of I'll call it reputational marketing, where in a sense the vendor earns credits, if you will, reputationally from I'll call it the end either consumer or the end uh, business, which would be the restaurant, if you will, um, will really add to that kind of demand going forward for sure. Right. Exactly. So uh, we talked about I'll call it the supply chain stuff. We know what you're able to do in the. Um, uh, restaurant space, which is nice. And that's an immediate payback as soon as your product becomes available. Um, any thoughts, uh, and this is maybe a little off target, but I'll just ask, 
we're talking about trying to connect things and trying to improve transparency and visibility in all points in the supply chain. Any thoughts around um, what we can do uh, in the food safety area at all? Yeah, food, food safety is, is a really interesting one because I think that um, you know a lot of work goes into ensuring plants are food safe and, and that food, when it makes itself, uh, makes its way from a plant to a restaurant, it's, it's cooked the right way. Um, I think that the, the nice thing is that, you know, recalls right now are really harrowing experiences. I don't know if you've ever had the unfortunate, um, uh, unfortunate experience of having to go through a food recall. Um, what I can tell you is that when food is recalled, for example, be it in a restaurant or in a grocery store, um, I mean, people are working long hours over the weekend, overnights to ensure that no one has that food in their home because it's not safe for them. And I think that um, this is just another way that, that blockchain and, and other you know, kind of food technologies are, are going to help um, because you're going to be able to uh, you know, aid in mass recalls of anything contaminated. And I think that um, you know, that's, that's kind of new, right? I, I know we keep good track of, of where, what lot that food came from and what other products it was shipped with and things like that. Um, but if you're able to kind of know like, holy, like this is the exact item that was bad. It was from this patch and this lot, um, everything that was around it on the, sh on the truck that went down to deliver it, that all has to come back too. I, I mean, the, there's a, there's a level of, of, of mass contamination that we are able to kind of mitigate with mass recall because of this tech. And so I think that, um, yeah, well, I focused on, you know, origin of food and, and maybe, um, the, the, the food quality. I think you're absolutely right that food safety is, is, is going to be um, positively impacted because of this too. Yeah. And, and your, your point is well taken because I'll say, and this is going back probably four years now, but we had that massive romaine lettuce recall. That's right. Where, uh, at the time my family was eating lettuce or salads, I think five nights a week that were romaine lettuce. And it's like all of a sudden, boom, for the next three months, it's gone in the stores everywhere, uh, not just the heads, but the products, everything disappeared. And all because, to your point, they could not pinpoint um, through the network properly the sources of the um, bad romaine lettuce. And so we lo everybody lost, not just the suppliers that had a problem, but the whole industry lost for a long period of time. And I did, uh, I've never been on the other end of a food recall, but I did have an opportunity to study uh, one of the ones on, uh, it was, I think it was Bing cherries or something where there were some bad Bing cherries. And I did, looking at that study, uh, identify the fact that it took the CDC and the USDA combined, uh, working with all of the vendors in the chain, it took them over nine months to be able to trace all the way back to the actual source from when they first detected a problem with the pink cherries at the retail level. And then the reverse of it is, after you say, okay, here's the source, you're asking, okay, well, what else did they produce that was potentially bad? Now go trace forward and find out who else may have bad pink cherries. But that forward, backward and then forward traceability issue, while it wouldn't be necessarily instantaneous, I would guess, just a guess, that it might be dramatically shorter um, you know, with fewer, what I call manual lookups, you know, as you were mentioning earlier. So hopefully in the future, when we add that kind of technology um, in throughout the supply chain, 
it should start to hopefully shorten the time it takes to do that kind of traceability. Yeah, and I, I think it absolutely will. I think that's a it's a huge part of um, ensuring that you kind of know what where each food product is and where it's come from because anytime anything goes wrong, you can you can kind of pull the plug much faster. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a very big deal. Um, so, any other um, talking about the pandemic? Oh, the what, I did hit the thing earlier about the difference between how old I am and how young my son is. Talking about different <laughs> generations and market segments. Um, do you, when you look at, I'll call it changes in food technology and what, in a sense, your platform is going to be able to help deliver informationally to audiences. Um, when you look at audiences, we're not all the same, obviously. And so your thoughts may be on how, um, in a sense, your platform might be able to help uh, different types of, uh, I'll call it consumers, so to speak, since we're not all the same, um, in a sense, engage and understand what's going on and even educate. Um, a little bit, you know, given that there are big differences here. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I kind of roam around the internet a lot and, and kind of read interesting and, and kind of silly and sometimes very uh, unintelligent things on the internet and depending on where I'm, I'm looking and it's kind of all in fun and good nature. But I think what I learned um, recently was, was I was kind of scrolling through um, certain posts and things like that is that there are a lot of people out there who don't know um, you know, the ingredients of mayo, for example. And I, and, and I, and I bring this up for a very specific reason. So, so bear with me for a second here, Jim. Yeah, sure. There was a, there was a story of a, of a woman who was ordering a sandwich and she said, I, I'm a vegan and I, you know, I, I only want vegetables and, and, you know, vegan items. And so the, the sandwich um, creator puts it together, wraps it all up. And she goes, can you please put mayo on it? And he, he kind of looks at her and says, that's a kind of a sick joke, right? Because mayo has eggs and you're vegan. And she had the palest faces as if she didn't know. And I think that, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's funny in kind of like a tongue-in-cheek kind of a way where it's like, oh, yikes, you've probably had a ton of non-vegan products in your vegan uh, diet. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and so it's kind of like, a, oh, yikes, sorry about that. But, but for me, it actually illuminated something a little bit different. In our app, what we're trying to do is allow consumers to really engage and, and build their own experience. And um, if you know that you're a certain diet, you have certain dietary restrictions, um, you can kind of call that out on your profile, right? And so I'll take a, a more real example. My, my significant other, she's allergic to, or she has an intolerance to dairy. So she'll now be able to go into her eat profile and say, remove cheeses and sour creams and milk products from, from the menu. And so if we go to my favorite bar and they have our app, any food item on their menu that had, you know, dairy in its, in its might say, Hey, you shouldn't order this because it has cheese. Do you want to remove the cheese? Or, you know, here's the menu of products that you can order without having to worry that it has any type of dairy products. And I think in that way, People are going to learn very quickly what is and isn't in their food. Um, and I think that, you know, for, for people, for her, it's not a big deal if she has, you know, a little bit of cheese or a little bit of milk. It's, it's no big problem. But for, for others who have maybe more severe allergies, maybe they can't have tree nuts and peanut oil is a really big no-no for them, right? But a lot of people cook in it. So um, we're going to find out very quickly um, what is... Uh, augmentable, I guess, what is able to be augmented in a restaurant, but also what is what is in everything. And I think that there's a little bit of learning there for, for people who are just casually going out um, to restaurants and maybe don't have a, 
um, cooking background or a kitchen background. And so I think that that's a, that's a pretty cool part of what I think we're building and, um, you know, where, where, where consumers are going to be able to really dictate what it is that they get on their plate in front of them when they order. Actually, that may be the biggest thing that you've said so far uh, in a way, because what you've just described is we are all different. In a sense, our perfect health situation is different. Our perfect diet is different. And whether I have a doctor's prescription that says Jim shouldn't have salt or, or uh, gluten or whatever it is, or I don't, um, everybody understands usually as you grow up a little bit, what is better in your diet, what isn't, even if you don't have vocal restrictions, but the ability to have a, a quote, a personal profile that says, Hey, these are the best things for me. And, and these are the things I should stay away from. And here's the things that are totally restricted to be able to say, here I am, I'm Jim and I'm in your restaurant. And what do you got? And just to ask that question and say, boom, here comes the menu customized to you. Uh, and in a sense, as you, you said, in effect, I can take that salad and it could even be made to order my, minus the ingredients I don't want or that aren't good for me. That's an incredible breakthrough. Uh, you're allowing, because most of these things in food service are custom prepared for the bulk, most of them are. And as a result, um, that's a phenomenal way to add value from a restaurant's perspective. Because you're saying, in effect, if you use a system like this, we can, in a sense, automate the ingredients um, that are going into your dish. Uh, yeah. And when Mark has, that's a phenomenal thing. It's just fully tailored, right? That's all it is, right? And it's, and it's tailored to you. And I, you're totally right, Jim. I know for me, there are certain foods that absolutely I, I need to have more of in my diet. And there are certain foods I need to have a lot less of. Um, if beer was a food group, that's one of those that I need less of. Right. Uh, but I think, but I think I need more and, and, and it's, and it's, as soon as you put that into the profile and it says, okay, like this is who Mark is, or this is who Jim is. And I think you're absolutely right. It's just a tailored solution for you. Um, and, and whoever you are and whoever, you know, whatever diet or, or dietary needs or restraints you have. And so I think in that way, it's, it is a very powerful tool. Um, and it saves kind of sometimes that embarrassment of saying, Hey, like, can you remove the walnuts from that salad? Like I, I have a, you know, a, a, an interaction with those that I, it's not, you know, not the best. And, you know, servers aren't embarrassed to get that, but sometimes it can, you know, feel weird to say those things out loud. Um, I know, again, back to my significant other, there are certain meals where she just says, you know what, just put the dairy in it. It's not worth, you know, having this, this fuss. Um, and so for every solution to be tailored, wherever the whatever restaurant you go to in whatever city through the app um yeah i think it's it's a really it's a really interesting way to kind of create your own eating experience well and it's so your significant other as you said uh, you know her dairy tolerance is reasonable so she doesn't have to have it all removed but to have your profile like that and say hey you know, just to give me an option on the menu saying, should I remove the cheese or not? It's a click, you know, leave it or take it out. My nephew, on the other hand, is severely allergic to peanuts, as some people are, and his is more of a life-threatening deal. So it's, if my profile said absolutely none of this, boom, those would come right off the menu to begin with. Um, and I wouldn't even have the option to order peanuts or anything that used peanut-based oil or anything. Um, it's, it's funny because that almost leads to, a, I'll quote, a different program which says, uh, I'll call it almost an eat safe strategy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely a different take altogether. Um, and the fact that 
in fact, your platform can help deliver what I call eating safely. Um, instead of eating healthy, it's actually called eat safe beyond that. Uh, it's not just healthy food, it's, it's targeting it to who you are exactly. Um, I know a lot of research in healthcare is oriented that way anyway, trying to customize in a sense, particularly in a sense, the, I'll call it the gut bacteria, your microbiomes, not the same as mine. And they get, they get into some very low level stuff, but the ability for your platform to be what I call the communicator of ultimately that kind of information to customize an experience is phenomenal. So that's a big deal. Yeah, well, thank you for that. It just, it really just takes the guesswork out. And I think that that's, um, you know, you never have to worry anymore um, because you, you've already, you've already made it stated that like, I cannot have these foods and uh, you know, I, I'm not going to get the menu items that, that have those foods in them. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting way to kind of, again, just manage your own journey through the restaurant um, in a way that you never really had control of before. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, we've covered an awful lot. The funny part is the food chain and the food industry is a big place and there's lots of different types of food, lots of ways things move through the food chain, lots of different stages and so on. Different consumers, different markets, different cultures, a million different things of variations. But what's interesting to me was it, in a sense, your platform uh, has a significant, uh, I'll call it opportunity to change, I'll call it one end of the food chain big time. You know, that whole uh, food service uh, experience, you know, from the customer point of view, from the restaurant point of view, um, that can have a dramatic impact. Obviously, I realize I can't do it today. I can't go to the store today with it. But, uh, you know, after you're out in production, it'll be a big deal. I think it'll be a huge impact opportunity wise. Um, well, I appreciate that, Jim, seriously, for the for the vote of confidence. It's, it's hard to know if you're, you're, you're always, always, always doing the right things. But, um, you know, for us, we've been laser focused on ensuring that, like I mentioned, that consumers are the reasons we make decisions. Um, if it's not going to make their lives easier, if it's not going to make the, the server's lives better, or the restaurant's lives, um, you know, more fruitful, then there's no point in doing what we're doing. And so, um, I, I really do sincerely appreciate your vote of confidence. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get this out to market and for to have you and others, um, you know, review it for us. Yeah, it, it, it actually, it's a big, big deal. It's funny because <laughs> maybe I should be signing up. I'm just a consumer, but I probably should have signed up. My son actually has, um, uh, I'll call it a mild form of Crohn's and he has that same dietary thing. And if, you know, and again, I'll just say again, going back to your concept of the profile, uh, it would be phenomenal for him to just go into a restaurant and say, boom, here's your menu options. And here's the things that are optional on that for you. Boom, just hit a button and say, yeah, I'll take those things. It would simplify the world so much um, for so many people. It would be amazing. So it is a huge gain um, as soon as it happens, I'll say. <laughs> um, well, I'll be, I'll be sure to bring that, that, uh, that right back to our product team to let them know that they're working on some, some really good stuff that you know, you're pinpointing as, as important. Yeah, I think the value for that's going to be phenomenal. I mean, when, you know, not just my son is a beta customer, I'll say, but um, getting the story out that you've been able to do that, even on a small scale to start, will, in a sense, open up a lot of eyes to like, oh, my God, I didn't even think that that was something that was a thought. You know, it's we live a certain way. I do. Certainly, most of us do. And we don't rethink how life can be. But when you flip something like that out there, it's like, oh, wow that changes the whole game of how we work on something. So it is a big deal. That's awesome. Um, I've hit a lot of things uh, on my end. Is there anything that I haven't covered that um, is a big trend from your point of view um, that we haven't hit yet that um, is important that you can think of? 
Yeah, Jim, th- thanks. Thanks again. And, and, you know, for me, the, the biggest trends that we talked about were tech and supply chain, where the labor um, is going to come from and what the labor is going to do when they, when they talk about uh, returning to restaurants um, and, and the like. And so I think the, those are some of the biggest things and problems that we, we need to kind of address in the restaurant industry right now. But, you know, for as it always is, the consumer um, has some needs that, that they want satisfied. And those trends right now look like um, te- technologically advanced uh, ways to do, to do things. Um, as well as fresher, cleaner foods. And I think that we've talked a little bit about that too. So in a way, somehow in an hour, we've talked through all the big hitters, Um, but I'm sure we could have continued this conversation much longer um, and and gone into a little more depth. So what I'd say is, Jim, thanks so much again for um, having me on and and chatting with me a little bit about where we think the food industry is going to go. And what I'd say is stay tuned to you know, some of the things that we're doing and, and we're, we're going to launch uh, at the end of this year. Um, but then, you know, as I mentioned, I, I publish articles on a, on a pretty consistent basis um, with a co-author of mine uh, who also works at EAT. So um, just, just very excited for, for what the future holds for the industry and, and kind of the change that we, we hope to see um, in the industry for the better. So thanks again, Jim. So Mark, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it. Um, you have a great uh, perspective on what the whole food chain is about, obviously. But then more importantly, I think you've got this new, I'll call it model uh, for a platform that can really uh, revolutionize things. So unfortunately for you, we'll probably have to ask you back to Future Foodcast after this introduction <laughs> a little bit and make you repeat this again. So we can really see what the net impacts have been, if you don't mind. I would be more than glad to do that. So thanks so much. Great, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 